Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. And everybody, episode of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, November 19th, 2020, people. I hope everyone is having a great day, and I hope everybody enjoyed uh, what turned out to be a fun NBA draft. I'm not going to lie. I was not coming in with major expectations for this draft, but I really enjoyed it. Thought it was a fun night. Thought there was some interesting stuff to talk about. And so what I'm doing here, it's about midnight Eastern on Wednesday going into Thursday. Wanted to get you a show reacting to the NBA draft. So forgive me if the next half hour or so is a little bit all over the place. I do want to talk about uh, some of the big stories. Obviously, the top picks kind of went as planned. I do think... I cannot believe I'm saying this. The New York Knicks stole draft night with both Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly. Not only two friends of this show, but two guys that I think can come in and contribute right away uh, to helping that organization. I do want to talk a little bit about RJ Hampton. Uh, This was a point that I brought up. I'm the only one that's going to bring it up. Uh, But no disrespect to the kid. I like the kid. I've talked to the kid. But I think he was really hurt by not going to college basketball. So we'll talk about that. Some other reactions. And then on the back end, we will talk a little bit of football. And how about this? Uh, Hugh Freeze joins the show. I mean, come on. What show does this? Full reaction to the to the NBA draft and then immediately into a coach of a top 25 college football team in Hugh Freeze. Fun interview with Coach Freeze. I told you it was going to happen. And really just a lot of interesting stuff that we talk about and ground that we cover. We talk about, uh, you know, previous what happened at Ole Miss, his regrets, what he learned, all that stuff. We talk about what's going on at Liberty now. And we also hit on, of course, the big question is he seriously considering other jobs? And it is a big question. It is an important question. And I'm not going to lie. I asked him straight up, are you seriously considering uh, any other jobs outside of Liberty? And I thought he gave a very interesting and diplomatic answer. So Hugh Freeze coming up, but NBA draft first. Before we get started, I want to remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If today is the first time you're listening It's a heck of a time to subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes. If you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. 
Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, all that good stuff, but it really does help us move up the iTunes charts. Make sure you're following on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Make sure you're following on uh, Instagram at Aaron Torres Pod, where we've been doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, my guys Aiden and Zach have been taking care of me, getting me graphics, videos, all that good stuff. So thank you to those guys. And then finally, you have any questions for the show? Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com and a lot of cool stuff by the way coming as we head into the holiday season and all that stuff not to mention college basketball a week from tonight but with that said people no more time to waste so much to get into and look the NBA draft we got to talk NBA draft and like I said I'm recording here in real time not a ton of time to put together a ton of notes, so I'm just going to kind of spitball off the top of my head uh, and react to a lot of the different things that happened over the course of this draft. What I will say was it was obviously an unprecedented draft circumstance over the last six, seven, eight, nine months, where one, we had no NCAA tournament, which we'll get into in a minute, and two, obviously the process went way longer than it ever has in the history of the draft. So you went nine full months months. And one of the things that I heard throughout this process was that because of the extended draft time, because of nine months instead of two and a half for the normal draft process, that it was going to be a crazy, unprecedented night. And that's exactly what happened. It was also a situation where I heard from a lot of people in the NBA that you know, you could see crazy stuff because of the fact that you had so much time that a lot of organizations may be prepared and over-prepared for this draft, where when you have only two and a half months, a kid plays in March Madness, he declares in the middle of April, you draft in the middle of June, you don't have time to think and overthink and overanalyze. You just go based on what you saw and what you know and what you've learned in the draft process. This time, there was six, seven, eight, nine months to potentially over think this stuff and I think that's exactly what happened in this situation in the NBA draft when I watched the NBA draft look I don't think any of the top three picks were that surprising we'll get into in a minute but I will say the Bulls at number four taking Patrick Williams that feels like we had too much time to think about this we're going to overthink it and we're going to do something so crazy because we've heard so many good things and this team might take them and that's Patrick Williams is a really good player, right? It's no disrespect to the kid. When, when, when I'm being critical here over the next 30, 40 minutes, I think all of you know me well enough to know it's not because I don't like a kid or it's personal or he was mean to me. It has nothing to do with that. But these are now professionals. I now have to react in real time to what I think about their decisions. And I'm not John Gruden. I'm not going to come out here on draft night and say every pick was a home run, A-plus, they're all going to be all-stars. And so when I look at the Chicago Bulls, the number four pick, new organization in terms of new management, new coaching staff, Billy Donovan, all that stuff, like I get it, right? Like you may think this kid has great long-term NBA upside, but he didn't even start at Florida State. He was a fringe top 40, top 50 recruit. And I do know if you ask Evan Daniels or you ask Corey Evans or you ask Jake Weingarten, he was a kid that really evolved over the last year, year and a half of high school basketball. But he barely played at Florida State. 
And so are you taking him because you really think he's the best player or because you had time to overanalyze it and overthink it and think, well, imagine, and, and you know, I'm hearing this team likes him and that team, like, if you want to take him at 8, 9, 10, it's one thing. But number four, when you haven't made the playoffs in forever, when you've been irrelevant forever, when your organization can't get draft picks right and you have really no real superstars for your organization to get excited about, I'm sorry, you're reaching and trying too hard for Patrick Williams. This isn't the Golden State Warriors that are just trying to find pieces for their NBA, uh, for a team that can win the NBA championship. This isn't even the Minnesota Timberwolves who have an established star with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. And so I bring it up because it felt like a lot of that happened. Isaac Okoro at number five to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You just, you took a bunch of wings over the last couple years. You took Kevin Porter last year. Uh, you've taken all sorts of other guys. Isaac Okoro, who's a very good two-way player, but probably not going to help you very much next year, his best attribute is his defensive ability and his toughness. Is that really what, who you want to take at number five when your organization needs players that can help right now? And so to me, that was the biggest kind of story of the night is it felt like all the extra time led teams to prepare and over-prepare and overthink. And I think we saw a lot of quirky picks that I think if this had been a normal draft process, we wouldn't have seen. In terms of the top picks themselves, listen, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on one, two, three, because I think just about everybody assumed that Anthony Edwards uh, LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman were going to go in some order in the top three, and so it's not totally shocking that they went in the order that they did. But I'll tell you this. There is a reason that a lot of these teams draft in the position that they do year after year after year, right? The Minnesota Timberwolves have been irrelevant forever except for the two minutes that they had Jimmy Butler, and then they ran Jimmy Butler out of town because he was too tough on everybody else. Well, guess what? This is why you're drafting in the spot that you are every single year. And so to get the number one pick and to take Anthony Edwards, and again, it's not me being critical of him, but Anthony Edwards, I said on the last podcast on Tuesday's preview show, I said, I don't think this kid really likes basketball. Well, what happens? The day after I record that, that podcast, he comes out with an interview where he says, I don't actually like basketball. He said this in an interview. For people who have not seen it, it was on ESPN.com. He basically said, I don't love basketball. It is a job to me. It's whatever. My first love is football. If the, NBA, if the NFL called tomorrow, I would drop basketball and go play football. So that's who you're taking with the number one pick if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you wonder why you've been irrelevant forever? Well, that's why. And I'm not saying you have to take my guy, Obi Toppin. I'm not saying you have to take LaMelo Ball or there's, there's a right pick or a wrong pick. And I do understand... Um, kind of the situational need of the team in this moment. You have D'Angelo Russell, who's kind of a, a, hand, a guy that handles the ball a lot, kind of similar to LaMelo Ball, so you don't want to take him. You have uh, a big guy in Carl Anthony Town, so you don't want to j take James Wiseman. But man, you really just took the number one pick on a kid that said he doesn't even like basketball? That's why your organization has been irrelevant. And I'm sorry. Yes, I'm just going to say it. I would have taken Obi Toppin. Like, I would have, because at least I know Obi Toppin gives a damn. At least I know he cares. I'm sure the Timberwolves wanted to trade out. I do think, trade the pick. I don't care if it's a number one pick. I don't care if you get nothing for it. But to take Anthony Edwards, I don't know, man. 
I would have gone with who I thought was the best available player, and I just can't believe that not only did they think that Anthony Edwards was the best available player, but after you see him in an interview the day before the draft say, I don't really like basketball, don't understand how you could take him number one. Number two with James Wiseman is kind of interesting. So I'm not a Wiseman guy, but I don't hate the pick because I do think that in the grand scheme of things, the Warriors have a championship window of right now, this second, right? Like you have Steph Curry, you have Klay Thompson, you have Draymond Green, they're all getting older. You got to win right now. And so I did understand the idea of taking James Wiseman, a big guy who compliments those guys. He'll be a role player. But I also thought it was kind of interesting in the context of this draft. We learned minutes before the draft that Clay Thompson might be out for an extended period of time, that he might have had a really, really bad lower leg injury that the team fears is an Achilles. And I'll be honest, I don't have a great answer for this. I do think it should change your draft strategy though, right? And it was interesting watching the draft, Jay Billish, Jay Williams, um, Mike Schmitz, who I think Mike Schmitz does an incredible job. But all the guys, and I don't blame them necessarily for saying this, but what they were saying on the draft was like, well, you know, if whatever your plan was, you can't change it because Klay Thompson may be hurt. Well, I completely disagree. Because if Klay Thompson has an Achilles injury, he's definitely out for at least another year, and he may never be the same player. And so to me, you do have to blow up the draft plan, and you can't take a role player, and you can't take a big guy because you need to replace Klay Thompson. And so to me, I don't necessarily blame the James Wiseman pick, but I do feel like, um, I, I do feel like, I don't know, when you find out Clay Thompson might seriously be hurt, I do think you have to reconsider who you're taking with that pick. And I don't know if it becomes LaMelo Ball. I don't know if it becomes Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if it becomes Obi Toppin. But to me, taking the project big guy who didn't play college basketball because he quit his team, I don't know. To me, I feel like I would have gone a different direction. But again, that was the pick on that was the take on number two. Quick thought on the number three pick, LaMelo Ball. You know, no real thoughts on it. I think I've told you, I think if LaMelo has his head on straight, and I think if he really cares, I think he's the best player in this draft. I think he has the most upside. I think I would have taken Obi Toppin number one, as I've said 25 times already. I'll get into that in a minute. But I bring it up because I do think that if LaMelo has his head on screwed straight, I do think that he has the chance to be the best player in this draft. So I have no hate for the Charlotte Hornets. And in a lot of ways, I actually give the Charlotte Hornets credit, right? They have two really good guards on their roster in Devontae Graham, who they drafted out of uh, out of Kansas a few years ago, and Terry Rozier, who they spent a lot of money on in free agency. But if they don't think, though, if they think LaMelo Ball is the better long-term answer, then I have no problem with them drafting him and letting him take one of those guys' jobs. Because the thing about being at the bottom is, to me, it kind of goes back to what I said with the Timberwolves a minute ago. You can't worry about positional fit and how does this guy fit. Most of these guys aren't going to be ready to be major contributors for another two, three, four years. That window might close. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, they might not even have Carl Towns in two or three years from now. The Charlotte Hornets um, you know, might not have the guys that they have right now. And so if you think LaMelo Ball is the best player, go get him. I will tell you, I also heard, by the way, during the draft and the lead up to the draft, I was texting with somebody who knows the Ball family well, and apparently MJ's got a little thing for LaMelo, so we'll see how that plays out. I tend to think, if you remember, 
LeVar said that he could beat MJ one-on-one. I think it's just MJ just bringing his grudge to the ball family and settling it once and for all. I think before LaMelo can see the court, he's, MJ's going to have to play LeVar one-on-one. Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Probably bad, subtle humor there. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, awkward laugh, awkward laugh. All right, let's get to um, what I think was actually the big story of this draft. And I cannot believe that I'm saying this. We talked about number one through three. Going to skip four and five. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Williams. Great story. I don't think that he's the, the story of the draft, though. Uh, believe it or not. And so to me, the big story is the New York Knicks. Who was ready to come out of draft night saying the Knicks stole the show on draft night, taking Obi Toppin at number eight overall, which I still can't believe he fell that far, but also getting Emmanuel quickly on the back end of the first round. And as it pertains to Obi Toppin, as I've said now 26 times on this show, I would have taken Obi Toppin number one overall. And I went through a lot of those same reasons uh, on Tuesday's episode in the lead up to my interview with Obi Toppin. But this is a conversation that I had the other day, but I still think it holds weight and I think it holds merit. Is one, I think he's the best player in the draft. Two, he actually produced on the court. And this is what drives me crazy. We get so caught up in potential and what a guy could be and who he is and what he could be and who is his mom and who is his dad and his dad ran track. And like, give me the guy that produces, right? Like Anthony Edwards. It's great that he averaged 19 a game. Give me one bucket that he made that mattered because there really weren't that many over the course of the year. Georgia went 16 and 16 and finished 13th in the SEC. Patrick Williams, he was a backup. No disrespect, but he didn't matter. He was irrelevant. Isaac Okoro. What was your favorite Isaac Okoro moment from the Auburn era? I really don't have one, and I watched all the Auburn games. But Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin took a team, a program, a city, and put it on his back, okay? He produced. He was double and triple teamed every game. He was the highlight of everyone's game plan every single night and still came out and performed, produced, and helped his team win. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, so I'll share it here, but I have a buddy who was an A-10 assistant last year. I won't say the school. Don't want to embarrass him. But he told me this great story of they were playing at Dayton, And you got to remember about the A-10, they don't fly charter, right? So they're not flying straight. They're not at Duke where they're flying straight from campus to the town, going straight to the five-star hotel. They were flying commercial. They're playing Dayton the next day, or they're playing Dayton maybe even that day. And they're in the airport, and it's a normal airport. You know, they're, 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 you know, people are coming, people are going. And they had a connecting flight to Dayton. And during the connecting flight, they're going over the game plan, okay, like, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to stop topping, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And there's an old guy that's kind of overhearing this, and the flight is now going into Dayton, so it's a stopover at an airport, and the flight is about to head to Dayton. So it's a Dayton fan listening to this coach going over the game plan for Obi Toppin, and the old guy just kind of turns around. And he says, Coach, no disrespect, but you got no chance. And sure enough, Obi Toppin went for like 30 that night or like 24 that night or 25 that night and so that's the point Obi Toppin got everybody's best shot every every night and continued to produce and so to me we spend so much time talking about potential and how good they could be and they have this and they do that give me the guy that actually does something and as I said on the show the other night 
Don't give me this crap about, well, you know, you, you do understand that he's 22 years old, right? Yeah, I understand he's 22 years old. Do you understand that when he was 17 years old, he was six foot two, and he's six foot nine now, which means that he's grown seven inches the last five years? So don't tell me that he's close to his potential when he's still growing into his body. He's still getting comfortable, uh, you know, in who he is as a six foot nine power forward as opposed to the six two point guard that he was five years ago. I would add, I love the tears. I'm going to say something that's going to probably piss a lot of people off, but I don't care. It's my podcast. I'm going to say it. When I see somebody like James Wiseman crying, I'm not saying that James Wiseman doesn't deserve to have this moment, okay? So that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying James Wiseman is a bad kid. I'm not saying he worked hard. I'm not. James Wiseman is a good kid. I've interviewed him. Nice kid, humble kid, good family, all that stuff. But when he's sitting there crying on the TV, Saying, oh, well, after all the adversity I had to overcome. Adversity? What? James Wiseman, you quit the team middle of the season. Like, it sucks, and I'm sorry that the NCAA screwed you with that suspension, but guess what? Life isn't fair, and you quit the team. So don't give me all these tears about I overcame adversity. You know who really overcame adversity? Obi Toppin, six foot two as a junior in high school. Senior in high school doesn't have a single scholarship offer. Gets to Dayton, has to redshirt because his grades aren't good enough. That's real adversity, and that's why Obi Toppin, I'm not saying James Wiseman's tears weren't real, but what I'm saying is Obi Toppin, you could see the passion, you could see the emotion, you could see how much it meant to him to not only be drafted, but to be drafted by his hometown team. You can't put a price on that. And so credit to Obi Toppin, credit to the Knicks for taking this guy, and I'll just say one more thing about Obi Toppin. I don't think, as crazy as it sounds, that there was a single player who was more hurt by no NCAA tournament than Obi Toppin. And I know it sounds crazy because he won National Player of the Year because Dayton was, um, you know, in in the storylines all season long, dating back to the Maui Invitational. I think he got hurt by by no NCAA tournament more than anybody. And here's why. Here's why with Obi Toppin. If there's an NCAA tournament and he does what I think Dayton was capable of, oh, he is a household name. He has two, three, four wins where he's dunking from the foul line and these crazy dunks in the, fa- in, the, in the fast break and he's doing all the things that he does and he's hitting threes and he's making passes. Are you kidding me? At that point, I think he is, if not the consensus number one, I think he probably goes number one overall. Maybe it's not consensus. Maybe not everybody agrees. But I think he is a no doubt about it potential number one overall pick. Just think about it with John Morant. I brought, about, I brought up the John Morant thing a few days ago, but I think it's worth revisiting here. Is John Morant, I, I'll never forget this, a day before the NCAA tournament two years ago, so not 2020 because there, no, there was no NCAA tournament, but 2019, I went on Chris Broussard and Rob Parker's radio show, good friends of mine at Fox Sports Radio. And they're asking me, what's the deal with this John Morant kid? Is he any good? What's I said, John Morant's the second best player in this draft, okay? second best player in this tournament, and he'll be the second best player in the draft. And Chris, good friend of mine, he's been on this podcast. Chris goes, wait, really? Like John Morant's better than R.J. Barrett? John Morant's better than Cam Reddish? And I said, Chris, you just watch. Hate to brag, but I think I was right. John Morant, opening night of the NCAA tournament, triple-double. He becomes a star, and that was based on one game. Never forget, second round, he got knocked out. Florida State shut him down. But John Morant, because of one NCAA tournament game, becomes a superstar. 
becomes the story of college basketball outside of Zion, ends up as the number two pick, and nobody is questioning whether he should have been drafted ahead of R.J. Barrett or not. So fast forward, imagine if Obi Toppin, remember John Morant, one good game. Obi Toppin, imagine if he has three, four, five good games. Imagine if he gets Dayton to the final four. Imagine if he gets them to the school's first national championship. Are you kidding me? I don't even think it's a debate if he goes number one. Instead, no one watches, let's be honest, no one watches college basketball during the regular season, um, except for the diehards like you guys who listen to this show. Um, nobody watches Dayton games specifically unless they're playing Kansas in the Maui Invitational. Um, and so Obi Toppin, I think, even though he was National Player of the Year, still largely fell under the radar. So I think the Knicks got a total steal. I'm happy for Knicks fans. I'm happy for the Toppin family who now gets to watch their son play in New York when he's from Long Island. I think it's a great story, and I think the Knicks got the steal of the draft. I would also add, getting Emmanuel quickly back into the first round, not a bad second pick. I'll tell you, I'll never forget when Emmanuel quickly was debating, do I declare, do I not declare? And I had a bunch of Kentucky fans saying, why are you going to declare if you're going to be a second rounder? I said, Emmanuel quickly is not going to be a second rounder. SEC player of the year, 44% shooter from three in the modern NBA. When guards all have to be able to handle the ball, pass, dribble, shoot. Emmanuel quickly could do all. I said, Emmanuel quickly is going to be a first round pick. So credit to the Knicks because you guys listened to the interviews on the last two episodes. Uh, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly, they were on Tuesday's show. So it wasn't the last two episodes, it was last episode. And you heard them in their own words. You heard them in their own voices. Obi Toppin talked about overcoming not getting a single college scholarship offer uh, coming out of high school. Emmanuel quickly talked about coming off the bench and barely playing as a freshman. Emmanuel quickly, by the way, when I interviewed him in April, was still taking online classes even though he had declared for the NBA draft. So I bring all this up to very simply say um, two good kids, and I just think the Knicks totally stole this 2020 NBA draft. And all I would very quickly say is that uh, if you have not gone back and listened to those interviews, uh, go ahead and do it because I think you'll really enjoy those two kids, uh, two great kids. And I just can't believe that the Knicks got who I think is the best player in this draft. And he somehow fell to them at number eight. And I'm telling you, if there was an NCAA tournament, there is no way Obi Toppin's going number eight and falling to the Knicks, but worked out well for the Knicks, and I think it worked out well for the Toppin family. All right, one other big topic before we get get out of here, maybe do a little college football, certainly get to Hugh Freeze. Uh, I do want to talk to R.J. Hampton thing because I do think that, you know, this is a story that I have been covering in some form or fashion. Shout out Torrent Craig. And I think it's something that no one else will cover. No one else will say it because they don't want to be unpopular on Twitter, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think R.J. Hampton going to Australia cost himself millions of dollars. And what do I mean by that? So you guys probably remember the story, but R.J. Hampton was the high school kid, was originally actually a part of the class of 2020. He reclassifies to 2019. And as he's getting set to kind of commit to college basketball, you're starting to hear rumors maybe he'll go play pro overseas. And sure enough, he commits to go play pro basketball overseas. And my blanket statement on this stuff, I never criticize anybody for wanting to make money. I never criticize anybody for going to get a check, for supporting their family, for doing what they think is right. But at the time, two things happened. One, R.J. Hampton said, 
well, I'm doing it because it's the best way to prepare me for the NBA. And I said, no, it isn't. I said, if, if you want to play in the best league, go play in the G League because the G League didn't have this new G League program that's set up for high school players, but high school players could go straight to the G League and play there. I said, you really want to get ready for the NBA? Go to the G League. But no high school player was going to go to the G League under the previous iteration because you're not going to go ride a bus in Racine, Wisconsin, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Shout out to Sioux Falls. Love that place. And so I said, like, if you're not going to go there, you might as well go to college basketball because for all the criticism that college basketball gets, you're going to get great coaching. He was either going to go to Memphis where he's going to get coached by a former NBA All-Star point guard. You're going to go to Duke where you're coached by Hall of Famer Mike Krzyzewski. You're going to go to Kansas where you're coached by a Hall of Famer in Bill Self. Um, but instead, instead, he decided to go to the Australia, not to mention that you're going to fly first class, you're going to play 30 times on national TV, you're going to have great weight training, you're going to have a great uh, nutritionist, all that stuff, and instead you go to Australia where you play one game a week, and I'm not criticizing Australia, I, Australia got mad at me last time, but there were two better options. If you want it from strictly a basketball perspective, go play in the G League, but I do think there were benefits to playing in college as well. My bigger issue with the whole thing, though, was when this happened, you saw the same thing you see all the time, is all the talking heads, oh, this is so great, screw the NCAA, good for him, thumbing his nose at the NCAA, screw those guys. Jay Williams, I vividly remember. Jay Williams, by the way, who could have gone pro after his sophomore year after he won National Player of the Year but still decided to come back to college basketball. Jay Williams, oh, screw the NCAA, go make your money, son. And again, it's not about making money or not making money. But I heard from the media how this kid was a trailblazer, how he was a trendsetter, how all these kids were going to go to Australia now and they were going to go play and they were going to make money and they were going to thumb their noses at the NCAA. Well, guess what? RJ Hampton, a year later, he went to Australia. He didn't have a bad year. Now, I wouldn't criticize him because he was 18 years old playing against grown men. Um, But he didn't have a great year either. And on draft night, he did get selected. And for people who watched the draft, he got selected. Where did he get selected? I'm trying to find it really quick. Let's take a quick look. Let me see. Bad radio here. He went like 26th overall, 25th overall, whatever. Let me see. Bad. Oh, my goodness. Just tell me what pick he went. I think he went 24 or 25. The point is this. <laughs> the point is this. I had the draft pulled up on my computer and I lost it. The point is very simply this. I believe RJ Hampton cost his dad, cost himself millions of dollars by choosing to go to Australia. And what I mean by that is very simply this. Is that if he had just gone to college basketball, yes, he would have lost money, right? And I get it. If it's just about money, if it's just about dollar and cents, if it's just about getting a paycheck, then go overseas. But when he said it was about preparing himself for the NBA, it really wasn't. And it ended up costing him. Because in the end, he went, I'm looking now, I just found it, 24th overall. He's now going to play for the Denver Nuggets. But he cost himself millions. Because if he had just gone to Duke, if he had just gone to Memphis, he would have played on national TV 20, 25 times a year. He would have played under either a Hall of Fame coach with Bill Self, a Hall of Fame coach with Mike Krzyzewski, a former NBA All-Star with Penny Hardaway. He would have been uh, on a national stage. He would have gotten meal prep, all that stuff. And instead he chose the pros. And it cost him millions. If he goes to Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, 
Memphis, those were his final four. He ends up as a top 10 pick. If he just does what he's supposed to do, he ends up as a top 10 pick, top 15 pick at the worst. Well, now he's 24th overall. And it's not to say that going to Australia was wrong. It's not to say that he can't be a good pro. I actually like him a lot more than a lot of the guys in this draft. But what I will say is the thing that frustrates me about this, the, the, the current world that we live in, right, is people just believe certain media narratives and people just say certain media narratives. And then when push comes to shove and things don't go as planned, those same media people are nowhere to be found, right? So I guess the point that I'm trying to make I heard from Jay Williams and all the ESPN people, oh my goodness, he's such a trailblazer, he's such a trendsetter, good for him, screw college basketball. Well, where are those people now when he went from projected as a preseason top 10 pick before the season started to going 24th overall and costing himself millions of dollars? If you're going to be up there on the front line saying, screw the NCAA, screw this, screw that, where are you now when the kids who played college basketball actually benefited? Who had Patrick Williams? Going fourth overall before this draft. Same with Obi Toppin. Same with Isaac Okoro. None of those guys were in anybody's lottery. Kyra Lewis, he wasn't in anybody's lottery. Devin Vassell, he wasn't in anybody's lottery. Sadiq Bey wasn't in anybody's lottery. They all went ahead of RJ Hampton. And I'm not saying, again, for the last time, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to Australia. I'm not saying it's wrong to take a traditional path. But what I am saying is, where are all the people that were crushing college basketball last May, June, July, when RJ Hampton decided to go? Where are they now? Because you cost the kid millions, and I hope you're happy. And I'm rambling, and I'm going off, and I'm going to end right here because I do want to get to Hugh Freeze in a minute. But I do think it's a story like, this happens all the time. Screw college basketball. Well, guess what? It didn't work out well for the kid. If he had just gone to Memphis, if he had just gone to Kansas, I think we're talking about a top 10 pick. All right, before we get out of here, um, first of all, a couple more thoughts just from the draft. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but how about um, how about uh, uh, Patrick Williams being a flower delivery person for his mom? Apparently his mom owns a flower shop. Um, I can't lie. I was ready for a lot of things. Uh, on this draft night, I was not ready for Patrick Williams delivering a half a dozen roses on Mother's Day. Was not ready for that. So that was one. Uh, two, how about Bruce Pearl? Looking like a lumberjack. Did you see Bruce Pearl? He's wearing a vest. He's got a beard. I thought the guy was going to try to sell me some paper towels or something. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. I thought he was going to cut me some firewood or something. It was unbelievable. Bruce Pearl looking all crazy. He came on when Isaac Okoro got drafted. It looked like he was outside a gas station. Come on, man. It's draft night. Your guy's getting drafted. A uh, couple other stories. I mentioned Emmanuel quickly. Great story on him. Uh, in terms of draft you know, grades and stuff, I'm not going to do that. I will say very happy for Onyeka Kongwu, number six overall pick to the Atlanta Hawks. He is another one, I think, alongside Obi Toppin, who was probably hurt more from the NBA draft process and from the fact that there was no NCAA tournament, because I'll tell you this, I know people in high school that liked Onyeka more than they like James Wiseman, but when you don't have a chance to see Onyeka in person, when you don't have a chance to see him in the NCAA tournament, if he puts USC on his back and leads them to a potential Sweet 16, I think we're talking about taking him, him over James Wiseman at number two. But it's a good story, and the fact, by the way, he played at Chino Hills High School with Lamar, with uh, LaMelo Ball and Lonzo Ball. So how about a small school in the middle of the California desert producing three lottery picks, LaMelo Ball, Lonzo Ball, and Onyeka. 
A um, couple other good stories. I, uh, Isaiah Stewart, I just think he's a great kid. I think he's going to kill it uh, with his new team, which I believe is the Detroit Pistons. Um, Nick Richards. How about Nick Richards? 42nd overall. This was a kid that literally was undraftable, was unplayable at Kentucky as a sophomore. Comes out and ends up as the 42nd overall pick in that draft. Uh, and another kid, I'll just give you a quick story. Uh, Tyler Bay, I want to give him a little shout out. Uh, he is from originally from Vegas, but he played uh, his junior and senior year at a school called Cathedral, not far from where I live. Um, and I remember going there and talking to the coach at Cathedral. And uh, the Cathedral coach, he sees I see Tyler Bay in the corner. He goes, that's an NBA player right there. Tyler Bay was probably about 6'5", 6'6", 150 pounds, super quiet, doesn't look you in the eye. Uh, and I've obviously stayed in touch with him through the years. And to see him um, evolve into the person that he has become and the player that he has become, uh, I'm just so, so, so happy uh, to see that kid have his success. Also, shout out to Jalen Harris, friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, uh, who was drafted with the 59th pick in the NBA draft to the Toronto Raptors. All right, I think I'm going to get out of here. Hugh Freeze joining me momentarily. Uh, not a huge slate of college football, so I think what we're going to do is just get to Hugh Freeze. Um, look, I think there's some interesting games on the college football slate this weekend. Indiana at Ohio State. I do finally think I'm going to give Indiana a little bit of credit. Uh, they beat Michigan State to improve to 4-0 last week. And the one thing I'll say about Indiana they take care of the football. They're number one in the Big Ten in turnover margin. Ohio State had an unexpected bye last week. I could see them coming out a little bit of, a little bit flat. I do think Indiana can keep it respectable, although I do think that they win. Uh, LSU going to Arkansas as a slight underdog, or they're now a slight favorite. They were they opened as a slight underdog. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas won that game. Tennessee at Auburn is a really interesting game. Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt has refused to name a starting quarterback. I think he thinks it's a cute, clever thing. I think Tennessee fans are just like, dude, we're terrible. It doesn't matter who starts for us at quarterback. We're not winning. Uh, and Auburn, I think, is kind of a really interesting story. They haven't played in two weeks, had a bye. Last week's game against Mississippi State was postponed. Um, and it was crazy, right? Bo Nix, we crushed him all fall long. He has a great game against LSU right before the bye. And all of a sudden, people just think Auburn's going to steamroll Tennessee. Uh, but yeah, I think that's really it. Not a ton of huge games. Oklahoma at o Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. I'm actually leaning Oklahoma. They lost those two games early, but four straight wins, each by increasingly more points. The most recent one was by about 50 uh, against Kansas. Uh, but yeah, great weekend of college football. Speaking of college football, how about the number 21 ranked Liberty Flames, 21st ranked Liberty Flames going to NC State on Saturday night? And momentarily, I will be joined by their head coach, Hugh Freeze. Uh, just an incredible story. And I think Hugh Freeze, look, we all know the background, was fired at Ole Miss, uh, but he has done an incredible job with the resurgence of the Liberty Flames. And I think when you listen to this interview, I think the one thing you'll learn is that he's got a real good gig there at Liberty. And I'm not going to try to claim that I know what he's going to do. I've talked to him a couple times on the phone, including once for this interview. I have no idea what he's going to do. I have no idea what he wants, how badly he wants to get back to the SEC. Um, 
But he's got a real good deal at Liberty. Second year in the FBS. They're already 8-0. They're already ranked. Um, and he has done just an incredible job coaching this team. And he's got an incredible setup. He makes good money. He just got an extension, which makes him one of the top group of five paid coaches. And I'm just curious to see what his next step is and what Liberty's next step is. So uh, Hugh Free is about to join me momentarily. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, at Aaron Torres Pod, uh, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Uh, and if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Uh, I do want to get to Hugh Freeze. So really excited to have this interview with Hugh Freeze. Stick around. I do, of course, ask him about the job openings, all that good stuff. But he was incredible. I'm incredibly gracious for his time. By the way, I apologize if this episode was a little bit all over the place, but a lot to get into. It's late at night. Just wanted to do my best to get this show out to you as quick as I can. That's all. Shout out to Torrent Craig, my Australian brother. Uh, poor RJ Hampton. Should have just gone to Memphis. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. And now, here is the head coach of the 21st-ranked Liberty Flames, Hugh Freeze. All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, very, very excited to speak to this gentleman. He is the head coach of the 21st-ranked Liberty Flames. Number 21 in the country, Coach Freeze. If I had told you that three months ago, would you believe it? No, yeah, no, no way, man. It's uh, it's it's, you know, to be in year two here of uh, FBS play, and truthfully, you know, uh, it's nobody's fault, and but you really fifty percent or more of our roster is still kind of FCS recruited, um, because that's what you know the school was, and obviously, to uh, win a bowl game last year, I thought was like off the charts, crazy good unbelievable in year one and then to be 8-0 and ranked uh, 21st in the country. I told our team this morning in our team meeting, I showed them the uh, the new poll and we had moved up one. And I told them to destroy the picture from last week, but save this <laughs> one because, you know, it, it, it's when you're not a blue blood in this, in this deal, I mean, you're, 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 you're one week away from being kicked out of it, you know, so, um, but the man, they need to keep it, man. They need to show their kids that, you know, when they're and say, man, let me tell you all this story about 2020, COVID and and everything that's gone on, and and also, man, their experiences and memories of us, you know, going into Syracuse, the Carrier Dome, and winning and Blacksburg, um, being eight and zero and ranked in the country. So I hope they'll save those pictures. I am. I've gotten more uh, sentimental as I've gotten older, man. I, but I blow those pictures up and. Uh, I, I've got them all saved in my – they're not on walls yet. All my Ole Miss stuff and all my Arkansas State stuff and Lambeth and now Liberty, they're all um, – I, I have all that stuff. One of these days we're going to have a room and, and put it all up. Well, and that, that's actually what I was going to ask you is, you know, obviously, look, everybody knows about your career trajectory, how quickly uh, – maybe it didn't feel like at the time, but, but quickly you got to the SEC in your early 40s. Uh, now, obviously – everything that's happened the last few years, are you able to kind of sit back, smell the coffee, enjoy this thing a little bit more, the wins, the victories, the rankings, things of that nature? No doubt, Aaron. I, uh, 
for most of, of my career, um, I really believe that, that I drove the profession. Um, I do uh, obviously uh, own that there was a, a season of about a year and a half where the profession drove me and it, it really can change you. It can, uh, it can cause you not to have joy, not to have peace. Uh, you get uh, involved with the idol of self and pride and, and, and man, you just don't, you're, you're not who you want to be and you're not, um, you know, what you've stood for your entire life. You're, you're in this battle now of, uh, of this profession driving you and um, the two years off, I really got to look at everything, you know, and, and uh, had really good friends that, uh, that I bounced things off of and, Obviously, my wife and kids, uh, you know, who are the closest to me and know me the best, um, had great conversations with them, too, of, of, you know, how do I make sure that that I'm, you know, who I really want to be for not only for you guys, my wife and kids, but for, uh, you know, nothing ever really changed about the way I coached. Uh, it's, it's worked everywhere I've been. Um, the, the program I put in place has turned – uh, every program I've been to pretty fast, um, but uh, obviously I, it's just a, such a, a, a piece to be back driving the profession to get out of it. Really what I got into it for was to impact kids. Let's, so let's get back to that. And and then the wins and stuff. My dad is good about reminding me of that, I, I assure <laughs> you. And uh, so, man, it is, like you said, a joy to – I wish you could celebrate wins longer, sure. um, but you have to put them in the trash on Monday morning and, and move on. But man, we sure uh, are having a good time doing it. Yeah, no. And, and that's kind of what I was going to ask next is, is you mentioned, we know everything that, that has happened in the past, but you were out of football for two years. You know, you spend your whole career building towards this moment. How did you take that time away from football to rebuild, reevaluate, everything that you did to put you in the position to where we are now, which, as I mentioned, as we're talking 21st in the country with a program that's new to FBS eight and O heading, you know, heading into the weekend. You know, first it was, uh, it was, it was making sure that, um, that I rebuild the, the hurt of the loved ones that I hurt. Um, you know, that was first and foremost. And I wish I could, I wish I could rebuild it with everyone that feels like I've hurt them. You know, I, I wish I could, I, I don't know that that's possible. Um, you know, but I, I sure wish that, that I could. So that was the priority. And, you know, I had to get it. I'm, I'm big, a plan guy, man, you gotta have a plan for everything. So, all right, what is the plan? And, um, I had a good one for that, that, uh, obviously was, was awesome. And it really made Jill and I, much, much closer than we ever thought possible. Um, it's funny how um, the things that strain you and the hurts and the difficulties you go through, um, God can bring healing and, and even make you stronger. And uh, that's, that's really what's happened in, in our family. Um, and then you start looking at, so my original thing, Aaron was, all right, I'm probably gonna have to go back and just be an OC and call some ball plays again, like I used to. And and so you start looking at, man, everything that I did offensively and all right, I, do I want to, because I, I still call the offense and I still call the same stuff I did when I was a high school coach. <laughs> and so I might ought to change uh, some of the wording or something. I don't know. You think you got to improve or something. And 
And so I started going through all of that through those two years. All right, how do I make it more simple? How can we go faster? How can, and, and man, quickly I started realizing when I'm watching all the, the stuff and looking at the trends, um, I might ought to um, be more concerned with, with playing complimentary football <laughs> than I am with scoring points. And I really had a kind of a transformation. And I think that's the reason we beat Virginia Tech the other day. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, they're loaded with four-star kids and three-star kids. Ranked their average recruiting class the last three years was 30th in the country. Ours is, I don't know, 129. <laughs> if, there's, if there's 129, I don't know how many football playing schools are, but we're right at the, we're right at the end because obviously we've only had one recruiting class. But um, – you know, and I think the reason we won some of those games is is of that two years off when I really dug in and evaluated everything in a program. And fortunately, I had some opportunities to be an OC, but uh, man, when Liberty came calling with the uh, head job uh, and, and my wife really, who I lean on a lot after visiting here, just said that this is this is best for us at this point. So explain that because I, I've, I've admittedly, I've never been in the university, but I was reading a ton about the setup that you have there. My understanding is they built you guys a house from the ground up when you showed up. So, uh, you know, I, I want to give Liberty some of the credit here for what the infrastructure that they put in place for you. But for people who aren't familiar with the school, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. I, I don't know of another non-Power 5 that, uh, that has any better facilities than we have. I mean, they have put their uh, – their resources into developing the football program that uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. envisioned in 1971. And um, they, they not shied away from uh, putting the resources into it. You know, we've got a brand new indoor facility that it's really better than the one I had at Ole Miss. And then they open up our $30 million operations center this year that I'm setting in right now and overlooks the stadium here. And, um, you know, so the, the infrastructure is, I just can't imagine. I haven't been to all schools, and I'm certainly not saying we're better than all schools, but I find it hard to believe there's a, a non-Power 5 that has anything better than, than we do sitting here facility-wise. Our academic center is right beside us. Um, it's just a, it's a really great setup here on campus uh, in, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a beautiful place, and Love our home that we did. They blessed us with, and that uh, Jill and Madison uh, designed most of it. So that was pretty neat. Was that a selling point to the wife? Is you, you get to basically? It's not just uh, interior design here. It's like you, you get you get the. I don't know. It seems like a pretty sweet deal. So I, I kid you not. The uh, you know I really thought I was going to go be an OC at a couple different places, and uh, was really looking forward to that. We got the call from here. Um, I told Ian, who's an incredible man, an incredible AD, such a servant leader. Um, I said, man, I'm pretty, pretty far down the road. I, I'm probably just going to stay uh, with, with the options I have and just call a few ball plays and try to score some points to stay under the radar and, and all of that. And he said, will you just come and see? And uh, man, when <laughs> everything was going great, but when, when, when my wife heard that, it was it was the it was the old nudge. You got the, you got the nudge. You said uh, this is probably what we're gonna do. 
Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your team. I mean, obviously, 8-0. I know we just referenced it. A lot of guys that were recruited to the FBS or FCS level, excuse me. Um, you know, I think talking with you this morning, I talked with you a little bit last week. I think even you're a little bit impressed, surprised, uh, happy with the output that your guys have uh, put forth this year. Is it fair to say you're a little surprised? I mean, we know how tough it is to win games here every weekend in college football, let alone 2-0 and against ACC Power 5 type teams. Uh, what do you make of this group and, and, and how have you, and, and I don't want to give you all the credit, but your staff, no. the players, everybody come together to put together this A&O start? Yeah, it, it's totally been a team effort. In, in particular, uh, Aaron, not, not just the coaches and the players, but this COVID has brought a, this, this whole new, I mean, without our nutritionists, our strength staff, our medical team, who, good gosh, those poor kids that are on that medical staff and the training staff that have to get up every uh, three mornings a week to come test us for COVID. And, and I mean, it's just a team effort. And our bubble principle, principle has been awesome. Of course, our facilities help because we not only eat here and training table, work out here, practice here, but we also have enough room. We do our academics here. So, they actually go to class in our building. Oh, wow. Um, and so we've, we've been fortunate. Now, we're like everyone, COVID has, a, has affected us, and certainly we've had our share of, of cases. But, uh, man, to this point, it hasn't been a rash that, um, that really altered who, who we are. And uh, now it could happen any week like it does with any other school. But to this point, we've been very blessed. And so it's a combination of all those. And then obviously the leadership of our team buying into believing how we prepare for success and then having the confidence to go out and do it. And, you know, one thing I'll say is um, we'll walk into NC State Saturday night uh, not having the same roster and not having the same size, speed ratio and all of that. But our kids will be confident. And, um, you know, I think it starts with them believing that and then taking it into the locker room. And obviously you got to have quarterback play and uh, Malik has, has played really, really well to this point and uh, hopefully will continue. I know you're on a tight schedule here, so I'll just get you out of here on a couple quick questions. Uh, the first one, how much more, how much outside of Liberty are you able to watch? And the reason that I ask is, I was thinking about this this morning. I mean, you could argue the most dynamic offense in college football right now is Alabama. Um, and Coach Saban has been very outspoken about, you know, your teams with the RPO and all that stuff back in, you know, six, seven, eight years ago were giving him fits, and it completely made him reevaluate, uh, you know, what he's doing and all that stuff. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if they win it all this year, is he going to send you a national championship ring or what's the deal? Well, I mean, I think he probably owes me one or two that's what I'm saying. Uh, from the past. <laughs> well, that's you know, true. Man, yeah, Nick is uh, he's a dear friend. And, um, you know, I called him after he made those comments and, uh, you know, he's just very kind. And he's, you know what, and, and people don't, not only is he a, a great football coach, uh, but people like him, uh, when you're down and you're going through a difficult season, um, he, he's always, he's a real friend. I mean, really? he's, he, he's strong and he's, you know, he takes time to, he, and his wife, Miss Terry, um, they, they both take their time to, to spend time with Jill and I and get to know us and hear our story and, and man, we'll fight for you, you know, and, and people like him and Gus and, you know, they're, they're just, they're really, really 
good friends. I have to be careful. You know, I'm friends with both of them. Of course, <laughs> one's at Auburn, one's at Alabama. I can't, uh, but man, I, both them and, you know, Miss Terry and, and Nick and, and Gus and Christy and there's many others too, man. I shouldn't start, but no, we're, we're talking about Nick and uh, he's just been a good friend. And obviously that's a huge compliment. And I do think that we were one of the first to bring that to the SEC. I certainly am not going to say we were the first to do it anywhere, sure. but we, we stressed it when, you know, we, and we stressed uh, how far your lineman can go downfield and how far you can throw it. And we have to work through all of that. And, um, and certainly the best games I ever called against Nick um, we only called like four drop back passes and still threw for 300 yards. You know, that's good for offensive linemen because you know what? Most teams offensive line is probably not going to be as good as Alabama's defensive line. So if you don't have to pass protect, uh, that, that's, that's advantageous. So um, I think everybody's doing a little bit of it now though. It seems like. And you're going old school smash mouth uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Is that what you're saying is basically what you're doing over there? No, no, okay. I will never, I will never change what I do offensively. Never. Uh, I, I'm just too, uh, I, I wouldn't know what else to do. So no, I'm not going to change at all. I, now I may slow it down though. That, yeah. yeah. That, I'm still going to do the same thing though. <laughs> that's what I was saying is I've seen you say at other places. I know you just mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, yeah. is the idea, you know, especially against Virginia Tech, that probably it helped you. Uh, you know, last one, man, I got to ask. I, I hate to do it. it, it I don't want to take anything away from what you're doing at Liberty, but obviously yeah. we know how this business works. And you know what I'm going to ask? And we, we kind of speculated on – not speculated. We spoke about what Liberty offered you and your family and what continue, they continue to offer. But we know this thing, how it goes, and you're going to get calls. I mean, what would you say – to the people that uh, assume what, whatever, I'll, I'll just put it on your plate because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but obviously, you know, these phone calls are going to come here these next few weeks. Uh, and I'd just be curious what your response would be to that. Well, it's flattering. It means that uh, something has gone well here and we've made this place better for sure. And, uh, you know, these kids have, have bought into everything that we've asked. And, you know, one thing that I know it, I'm so grounded right now is that I live where my feet are and uh, my whole commitment is to developing this program and these young men here. Uh, I've, I've been honest with the administration and our team. I've never done that before and it may backfire on me, but um, I just, I've been very transparent in saying it would take something really, really special uh, for me to leave what they've done for me here and what I think we can build here. And, and I mean that, and uh, I've already had some flirtations the last year and earlier this year, Hey, would he be interested in this, this, and this, and, and nothing to this point is, uh, has made me feel like I should leave Liberty for. So um, it would take something really special, Aaron. And uh, obviously um, I'm, I'm at peace here and man, if, if I'm blessed to be the coach here at Liberty for another uh, five, 10 years, I don't know if I want to coach much more than 10. I don't want to be Nick <laughs> at 75. I want to play golf and fish, you know, every day. So, but man, I'm thankful that uh, it's, it's good that, that people are talking about us. You know, I told our team all the time, let's make them talk about us. I like that. But uh, you know, it does kind of become distracting some. That's why I address it with our team openly and say, listen, um, you guys are where I'm at. My commitment is to you, and it would take something really special. That, uh, and you'd be the first to know if, if that ever comes. Fantastic. Well, Coach, I, I could talk to you all day, man, and, and I appreciate your time and your candor and your honesty. 
I know you got a lot of other interviews and media stuff to do today, so I appreciate you finding a small window here to speak with me, to chat. Uh, you know, maybe in the off-season when things are a little slower, we'll catch up, we'll go a little bit longer, but it was fun, it was insightful, and, and I truly appreciate your time today, Coach. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Aaron, for having me. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.